Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. This is what the dreams mean, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cup bearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews. And now I'm here in prison. I did nothing to deserve it. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. Well, this is what that dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. The birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all of his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never gave him another thought. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. We've all been there. We've all had some crass injustice meted out to us. It always feels horrible, and we're mad. We want some justice. We want to make things right, but there's nothing we can do. So many stories that I hear all the time of a, a woman who's abandoned by her husband. Her husband's got all kinds of money, but doesn't want her to have a cent, and in fact, wants her to get bankrupted. She's alone with her children. It's horrible. Or you've been the subject of gossip in the workplace and you found that you were being passed over because of talk, mere talk. It feels horrible and you're all alone. And, and in so many ways, we find ourselves in places where, where we're isolated. We're, we're wondering what we're worth, what is our importance how how do we how do we get our way back how do we make our way out of this well as you know i used to be a presbyterian <laughs> and with all this stuff going on between israel and palestine i'm reminded by the fact that way back in 2003 2004 i was arguing with presbytery people about the presbyterian church's support of hamas and and hezbollah I said, what was going on? Why are we supporting them and not Israel? 
And then it happens that I was on the board of trustees up at Eckerd College and Elie Wiesel, the, the great Nobel Prize winning author, was there and he was introduced, I was introduced to him as a pastor of the Presbyterian Church and he looked at me and said, what's going on with the Presbyterian Church? They've become anti-Semitic. Elie Wiesel. Well, believe it or not, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I continued to press the case with denominational officials. And um, wouldn't you know, my church, First Presbyterian here, stopped giving anything. We went from $100,000 a year to zero, and I was gone in nine months. And it was, it still feels so wrong. And I, I just didn't know what to do. And uh, of course, a number of core leadership at First Presbyterian created this church. And now I'm so happy to be here. And, um, and yet, I went through a very dark period very dark time. I felt alone. They said they would help me relocate and I was being blocked from re relocating. I thought, this is so wrong. What on earth? But despite my being alone, I, I felt like the hand of God was with me. And I felt the hand of God was with me because people of this church were with me. And we kept meeting Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And that goes all the way back into August of 2006, and we've not stopped since. But it's not that I didn't feel all of that horrible aloneness. We all have been there. We've all experienced that sense of not knowing that we mattered. And we live in a we live in a time when we think that our identity comes from the stuff we do, or the stuff we have, or things outside of ourselves. Joseph understood that even though he was isolated off in prison, even though he was, by all worldly definitions, a complete failure, he understood that he was defined not by his external circumstances, but by the call of God that he had a dream, a destiny to fulfill. And so it is that, that God's children are not to be defined by anything other than the call and the purpose of God. I remember as a kid this little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. And the first law was, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That was the reality that kept Joseph going. That God had a plan for him. That God never abandoned him. That the Lord was with him through whatever outward circumstance he found himself in. And so that gave him the perseverance he needed. He continued to work in that, in that prison and he did, he did good work. And then when these two came to him with their dreams, the cupbearer and the baker, and he reminded them, you're going to Pharaoh. 
Remember me to him. This was his moment. This was the inflection point of his whole experience. This is his chance to get out of that lousy place. And of course, he went and the cupbearer started once again in his role. The baker, for whatever reason, was immediately executed. But the cupbearer completely forgot about Joseph. And the scriptures here say, not only did he forget, he gave him not another thought. <laughs> and so he was completely alone, forgotten, completely forgotten, gone and forgotten. We like to believe that we, at least when we're gone, we won't be forgotten. He was gone and forgotten. And there he was, without any sense whatsoever of future. But he was nevertheless sustained by that, that sense of call, that sense of, of God's purpose in his life. God loved him and had a wonderful plan for his life. God loves us and has a wonderful plan for our lives as well even when we go through times when we think that we're completely gone and forgotten. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book about 20 years ago called Tuesdays with Morey. And Morey was his sociology professor in college. And he, Morey, had developed ALS. And so every Tuesday, Malcolm was going to, to visit with, with Maury. And they had their visits together. And, and it meant so much. It meant so much to Maury to have someone who demonstrated that even though he was gone, he was not forgotten, even though he was completely out of commission, that someone nevertheless cared. And, and in a very special way, Malcolm Gladwell embodied the love of God to Maury in that place. And Gladwell reflected. He said what he most wanted was the same thing we all want. Someone to notice he was there. Someone to notice he was there. You know, we have, we have a group of people who have taken upon themselves to make sure that others in our church know that they're there. We called it our compassion and care team. And, and all they do is huge. It's not a small thing at all. But they, they reach out in different ways to people who are alone, isolated, and are hugely important to us as a And so they, they reach out and, and make phone calls or send cards, make, make visits, and do those things that are so incredibly necessary because we all want to know that someone knows that we're there. Someone knows that we, that we exist that, and that we matter. 
I was reminded this morning of Tony Tuttle, this magnificent woman who, in her mid-90s, took a spill about a year ago now, maybe not quite that long ago, and she broke her hip. And what is someone like, someone, someone like Tony, who's so loved by this congregation, what does she do? How does she know that we, that we care? How does she know that we know that she's there? Jeannie Morris is in memory care. And we could walk in and she probably would have no idea who any of us are. But does she know that we know? See, this is what the church is to be about. This is why we're here. That which sustained Moses, pardon me, that which sustained Joseph in his prison was his own personal relationship with God because he was abandoned by those he knew. But he had that relationship with God and that sustained him. How do we then embody that love of God to one another when we think we're all alone? And when we think that there is nobody out there who knows that we're here? This is the work of our Lord in and through us And that is to make sure that everyone knows that that we know that they're there. And it's a a critical work that we do. In one visit with, and we had many, with Peter Gilbody before he left. I remember visiting him and, and then was gone, and then he called me to come back, and I had to help him do something. Ken, Ken knows, too. Ken, Ken Brandle knows, too, the number of times he visited and then was called back to go help him. And all that was, was Peter needing to know that we knew he was there. And I was so pleased on Wednesday of this week. Peter's now in California living with his son and his son's family. But Peter zoomed into, our, he zoomed into our class. He had a little bit to say about prayer at the end. But it's simply because this body of people demonstrated their awareness that we knew they were there and that we knew he was there that gave him, gave him a sense of, of belonging and that he mattered. So all this is to say, that's what we do. That's what all of us are called to do as God's children. When we call ourselves the body of Christ, that's not ecclesiology. That's an actual reality that God enfleshes himself in us now. We are the body of Jesus. That means that we are his hands, his feet, his lips, Our cell phones are Jesus' cell phones. When we write cards, when we do a visit, our car is Jesus' car. And we belong to one another. And so we care and thereby demonstrate we know that you are there. And never be shy to let us know.
when we need to know that you're there. Will you bow with me in prayer? Oh, Lord, our nation is in an epidemic of loneliness and isolation. May we be a healing body. May we, in what ways we might, for your spirit prompts us at different times, a name simply rises up in our awareness. That is your prompting to reach out. That is your gentle nudge that someone else needs to know. As your children, O oh Lord, may we belong to one another fully. May it be true. We ask this in the name of your Son, our Savior Christ, who let us know that we are here. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.